Hello, everybody. Kyle here. You're listening to the Chaos and Shadow podcast. I'm joined here by my co-host, Pagan. Pagan, how are you doing this week? I am doing really good. How are you doing? I am doing well. It is June 11th. We are sitting down to talk about something that's way long, super overdue. That is the topic of Bigfoot. And we are only going to breach just lightly on this subject today, everybody. Bigfoot uh, is so massive of an idea as a potential cryptid, a potential alien, ultra-terrestrial, psychic projection. We don't know, but we're going to talk a little bit about all of that and our continuing interest in the field. We've had amazing folks like Katie Webb come by the show, sharing her uh, expeditions, finding Bigfoot potentially in a neighbor's backyard, and uh, a couple Mm -hmm. other things here and there. So it's going to be a fun one. I sit back, relax. It's going to be a, a relaxed fit sort of deal. Pagan, do you what's do you want to maybe summarize some of your experience just even running into the topic of Bigfoot over the years? Like how everyone's got it somewhere in their psyche. I think it's impossible to live a life these days without the name. But how how's that kind of worked for you? You ever had like a, a time of big interest or what's that bit? So for me, Bigfoot is one of those things where just kind of like he is naturally occurring in you know nature where he's just kind of in the background and he's doing his thing. I kind of feel like that's how he's been for me. Like I've always known big of Bigfoot lore. It's always been interesting to me, but I've never actively gone out and been like, hi, Bigfoot. How you doing? I want to make friends. I, I think he's super cool. I think he's very interesting to learn about. Um, but for me, he's just kind of, he's kind of like that, you know, good paranormal cryptidy friend that's always in the background. That's like, Hey, I'm going to be here whenever you're ready, but you know, no rush. So that that's Bigfoot for me. Nothing super special, nothing that kind of stood out that made me go, Oh yeah, I'm super interested in Bigfoot or had that moment of, yes, I believe in Bigfoot. It's just kind of always been there. Like, yeah, Bigfoot could exist. I believe it. I echo that sentiment so much. Like, that that's that's really it for me too like i i I think again i was kind of talking up front bigfoot feels i hate to say this pardon it it's gonna sound a little bit dismissive but bigfoot has become maybe watered down in many senses thanks to Mm -hmm. especially the really out there tv shows Uh, for this episode on the opposite end of the spectrum on the on the side that we really like and endorse uh we've spoken with seth Breedlove of small town monsters before on the show we looked at a couple different episodes they have up there or films documentaries they have a trilogy that they recently just complete i actually don't know that it's done i don't know if anyone's done looking for bigfoot but they literally hit the trilogy (laughs) mark where they have on the trail of bigfoot the search uh, on the Trail of Bigfoot, The Legend, and On the Trail of Bigfoot, The Journey. I did say those out of order, though. It is The Legend, The Search, and then The Journey is my understanding. I watched The Legend and The Search uh, on Amazon Prime. I did get in there and watch The Legend right before it went down. I think it's now a rental. Uh, but The Journey, mm-hmm. neither Pagan nor I have watched that yet. That's going to be one of the ones and why we're probably going to continue on this subject over the next couple weeks as we suss it out, enjoy the space, Uh, But I would recommend those to folks. Those, again, really good trilogy and getting you background on it. So today we're going to be using their source material to talk about the terminology. Is Bigfoot the right term? Like, where did that come about? We're going to talk about the territory they frequent, 
signs that you might have a Sasquatch and approachability. Now, we might not get into all of that in depth today. That, again, might stretch out because I know there's more research I'd like to do, even in the short term. Like you just said perfectly, Mm -hmm. Pagan, I just know of Bigfoot. I don't know Bigfoot. I'm not a dedicated researcher. So we're both, I think, going into it with some eyes uh, that are fresh and eyes that have also been doing some cool stuff. Because I wanted to talk to you briefly about the seance. Like, this is coming out on, when is this going to be? Monday, June 14th. So we'll have done the the seance on June 12th. We've been Mm -hmm. doing the virtual ones, and I have been loving it. I mean, we're recording this the day before, so I can't promise how this one went. I hope it was very successful. But we reached out and just tried to connect with spirits on Pagan's Farm and use the Estes method, and we had great success. So I can only think when people try and reach out to Bigfoot in a similar way, like Katie Webb said, I feel like that's a path. And maybe we should try it, Pagan. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe we should. Maybe we absolutely should. And, you know, the, the seance was so much fun. I'm presuming that by the time you guys hear this and we've gone through the second one, I'm going to project into the future that the second one was equally as fun. So it, it was going to be a good time. And I'm looking forward to all the ones that we're doing and all the cool things and ways that we can connect to potentially Bigfoot and other really cool entities out there. So Heck yeah. uh, if you haven't joined us, come join us for one of those. They're going to be awesome. Please do. Yeah. Gilded.gg forward slash RPN. We have that link in the bio. Pagan, you're going to be kicking off and doing some extra things up there as well. So, sorry to kind of go from mm-hmm. Bigfoot to, to billboarding for everyone. But Pagan is going to be doing a ward workshop up there. Um, yes. I'm pulling dates, but I'm very slow at it. That's the 19th, I believe. You are correct. That is at 6 p.m. Eastern time. And then we're going to, on the 26th, look at another virtual seance. That could also get moved around just a bit. Uh, I've got that move coming up soon to the the RPN Haunted HQ, everyone. That's going to really step up our like experimental stuff and us trying to contact entities, get some EVP, and, and do that all live for everyone. So really, the show is migrating into not just us talking about topics we love, but literally exploring those topics hands-on and with the people we really like to interview. Like... The fact that they're mm-hmm. like interested that we're interested in it is just making my brain just pow. so Bigfoot. What do you say? Let's get into Bigfoot. Let's crack it. So, Go ahead. As far as your terminology goes, like what term when you associate with Bigfoot, like in your mind, like what term always comes to you? Is it Bigfoot? Is it Sasquatch? Is it Swamp Ape? Is it Yeti? Is it Oh, gosh, the, the abominable snowman, I think, is another one. So wh- which one always comes to mind for you? I will say Bigfoot is the primary one that comes to mind. Sasquatch is a close-ish second because I, I feel like um, Sasquatch is great in the circles that you and I run in. Like the, the folks that are in those circles use that word pretty interchangeably. But I feel like when you're talking to a non paranormal audience i feel like they're gonna know the word sasquatch but they're not going Mm -hmm. to know it as cohesively as you say bigfoot so i'm a victim or you know a product (laughs) of that kind of culture when i was watching the the documentary and I, i believe this was yeah it was in the legend uh they actually talked about the terminology and how that came around that sasquatch comes from native american origins 
And then Bigfoot is, I want to say, I apologize, I don't have this in front of me, but that seems to be like a 70s term that got coined. Um, they did a great job interviewing the woman from the paper who broke the story. And, and he talks to her about how the term Bigfoot hadn't even made its way there yet. Like that wasn't a word people knew. And um, yeah, so it was a regional thing as well. Like that, that's mm-hmm. a term that has slowly started to move around. What, which one do you use, Pagan? Are you a Bigfoot user, a Sasquatch? I would say probably Bigfoot followed by Sasquatch. And it, it was funny, for the longest time, my brain never put Bigfoot, Sasquatch, um, Swamp Babe, and Yeti all in the same category. They were all different. Like, they were not classified as kin to each other, essentially. And so it was kind of funny that somebody is like, oh, I'm going to go chase a Yeti or I'm going to go investigate the Yeti. And I'm like, OK, well, that, that's the Yeti. That's not Bigfoot. And now, you know, knowing what I know after the last year and all the research and everything we're done, I'm like, oh, no, they're all kin to each other. They are all related. They're all in the same boat. They're just from different locations. And that's why they have different names. So I would say universally for me, the term is Bigfoot. Um, definitely followed by Sasquatch. And, you know, if you're, you know, somewhere like closer to like Nepal or the Himalayas or anything like that, then yeah, it would be a Yeti. So it just kind of depends on where you're looking. And other than that, if you just want to go with a universal term, I think Bigfoot would be appropriate. I think so too. I kind of, I, I, you know, as much as I don't like Wikipedia, I did want to get some like little background just briefly for this term. And it does seem Bigfoot uh, originates in 1958 uh, from a logging company out in Humboldt County, California, where, you know, upon the job, there was human like footprints discovered in the mud near Six Rivers National Forest. Uh, upon informing his co workers, this is Jerry Crew, many claim to have seen similar tracks on the previous job site. Going on, going on. It says the logging company men soon began utilizing the term Bigfoot to describe the mysterious culprit. I am just going to flag and emphasize this is Wikipedia and this is lore and legend and all of that. Um, I, I think these documentaries, I know Seth and the the small town monster crew, they really do their diligent research on this stuff. Uh, so I t- please take it from those docs as we do this little um, summarizing for this initial episode, at least I uh I think it's fun to look in the folklore. This is the stuff that I don't even know why I know it. Like, that's a part of the paranormal thing that's fun to me is that I've absorbed so much like UFO culture, Bigfoot culture, all this sort of stuff as a child of the 90s. Someone who had the Discovery Channel and History Channel playing all of these shows like The Haunted and all that stuff that would be airing. (laughs) Like, I... It was just all this knowledge in my brain without mooring or connection and honestly, uh, not good vetting either, right? Like you and I now, especially these days, know how much can get on TV with like nothing being real at all. And so like now to put some of these pieces together and track back and be like, this holds water and this one doesn't, it's very cool. Like I feel a little happier in my own brain. I would definitely agree with that when it comes to, you know, again, being somebody who born late 80s or grew up in the 90s. Yeah, I'm the same way. Like Unsolved Mysteries. I didn't know about like all these places that I was watching that were real. I thought the show when I was a kid was fiction. 
I didn't realize that it was real, that they were quote unquote advertising it as real. I thought it was just to scare people, or at least maybe that's what my family told me. I'm not entirely sure, but not the point. But when it comes to like Bigfoot, like, like I said, I kind of feel like he's always been there in my brain. Like I've just like known, okay, yeah, Bigfoot's out there, but I've never really gotten to know him Mm -hmm. until this last year or so when we started looking in all these cases, especially cases like Bridgewater Triangle and all that, that had a lot of Bigfoot lore associated with them. And now looking into these cases, I'm like, wow, Bigfoot's everywhere. Everywhere, every states, every place has got forests, Bigfoot's there. And even some places that don't really have a whole lot of forests, like Oklahoma. There's Bigfoot in Oklahoma. So it, it's kind of one of those things where I'm like, man, I I can't believe that I've grown up knowing in my brain about Bigfoot, but yet nobody really likes to talk about Bigfoot because if they do, you're kind of deemed as, oh, you saw something out in the woods, you're crazy. But now are we? I don't think we are crazy. I don't think people who talk about Bigfoot and all that are crazy. I think that they genuinely have seen something that is very elusive and very good at keeping themselves hidden. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely. I I believe in that so much. Like if the territory and in the first episode with the legend that I watched on the trail of Bigfoot, the legend mm-hmm. that focused on the Pacific Northwest, how much space is just like canyonous Valley, like beautiful forests going on and on and on saying how hard it is to find even like a downed plane there that is stationary versus some sort of creature that's moving through that area will be very, very hard. Um, and so we look at the territory, like you said, the fact that it can be the whole United States and beyond, I, I I sit here and say, I'm not sure if I think that Bigfoot is a flesh and blood sort of creature, or if it is, like maybe you just said there, or at least what I heard from you saying right there was, people are seeing something out there. And I don't think mm-hmm. it's their, I don't think it's just their imagination. Like, I don't think it's a dismissal like, oh, they were drunk or high or whatever the excuses that people tap into or, you know, that's they were just seeing things. I don't think so. I think you're right. I think with the amount of stories over the years and most interestingly with like Katie Webb's ability to, you know, these kind of try and true methods we're going to talk about in a sec of luring them out, people are hearing something in return what it Mm -hmm. is i don't know i i would completely agree with that and i don't know you know i i live in tennessee and anybody who's ever been to tennessee the entire state is pretty much covered in trees like coming from a mountain state that had trees but not like here it was amazing and it's beautiful but the trees are really thick and they grow really close together so um You know, I've gone hiking and stuff like that, even in my own woods near my house. And you hear things that aren't natural in those woods. So in those kind of cases, I really do kind of wonder maybe there is something out there. Like, uh, I'll, I'll tell you guys a fun story that I was sitting at home and we had a we have a nice thick patch of woods near our house. And during the summer our farm is loud. We have cicadas, we got birds, we got frogs. It's just loud and you get used to it. But there was one night where it was silent and this was like July. So there shouldn't have been silence, but it was silent. And then we heard this crazy kind of like screaming noise that sounded like it came out of the woods. 
And my husband was like, what was that? And I'm like, I don't know. And we went out and stood on the front porch. It was like dark and we didn't go out in the woods because you don't do that in the middle of the night because that's gross and scary and there's bugs and snakes and icky things. You just don't do that. But then we heard it again. He was just like, that doesn't sound human. And I'm like, no. And that does not sound like any animal I've ever heard. And I've grown up in cattle ranches, been in the mountains, heard all sorts of crazy animals. But I don't know what this was. I can't even describe it. It sounded like a cross between like a roar and like a woman screaming, which, you know, we've talked, we'll talk briefly in here a bit about communication that some of the things that they hear when it comes to Bigfoot is women screaming. So mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe I had a Bigfoot in my backyard and never even knew it. But <laughs> studying this Bigfoot case, I thought about that the other day and I was like, huh. Maybe, maybe that was what that was. But to this day, we still have no idea what it was. That's an extremely interesting story to me because that's uh, that is the focus of a lot of these cases. We aren't today going to draw too much time of separating out what type of Bigfoot might be what. I will say for anyone Mm -hmm. that's just breaching this case anew uh, in our overview, I want to flag that based on the different territories, there's different types potentially of these bigfoot creatures and then like what pagan's saying they may all exhibit different signs too like different sounds i was hearing that in the 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 documentary as well um they drew Mm -hmm. some great visual examples of different bigfoot based on again territory region Uh, i want to say that things like the swamp ape i am pulling this from memory but i want to say swamp apes have like a distinct odor that comes along with them i mean bigfoot is also claiming to they said to have a musk but i think the swamp ape is particularly stinky uh so an interesting thing between we'll say um like i watched the granite state bigfoot case that's beyond the trail it's a part of the same series but it's a like an offshoot piece to it on youtube and they focused in New Hampshire and they claimed that there was a Bigfoot case up there or somebody had an encounter where they were pretty sure that the Bigfoot that they encountered smelled like wet dog. Not a terrible smell, but it was definitely smelly, but they couldn't see anything, but it was like within 10 feet from them. And then if you go to Florida or, you know, down South where it's really swampy and humid and hot and there's a lot of, um, that kind of area. Apparently it smells, the swamp ape smells something like a cross between rotting flesh and old garbage. So it's a pretty putrid smell, but if you've ever been in a swamp, swamp stink. So if you have something that's living in those swamps, this thing's probably going to stink on top of just living in that location that already stinks. So you know, if that's the case, and big, if that's one of the traits of Bigfoot is they smell, uh, depending on where they live, yeah, they will probably have a different smell to them. So that's hmm. a that's an interesting distinction. So I, I guess that's a really good point to continue to drive home is that if you're looking in a specific area, let's say that you live in Ohio because there's been activity there. Uh, if you live in the Pacific Northwest, wherever you are located, if you're going to go and do some Bigfoot investigating in your backyard, which Doing it safely, meaning not getting lost in the woods, like actually taking precautions, going to areas that you know, um, you know, going and following some very sensical 
safety guidelines that you can easily find online, I'm encouraging you to safely go out and try some of these Bigfoot uh, calls and things like that that we're going to hit on. But you're going to want to look it up to your region because though there are similarities across the board, it'd just be very interesting to go into the field knowing a bit of what you might expect or what you might look for. Uh, I I want to touch on the fact that a lot of signs for this, you can find prints like we mentioned earlier in that story. That's a very big way people go about this is they'll go out and they'll actually do plaster casts of prints out in the field. Some of the more ultra terrestrially sort of things that Peggy and I love to get into lights in the sky have been seen in association oh, with yes. Bigfoot sightings, right? <laughs> like what? Mm-hmm. Also a Fae related thing. So it's like. Hmm, is it all the same thing wearing different masks based on who the person is that's looking at it? It might be. You uh, know, it, it's really interesting that we talk about the lights thing because something that really stood out to me in the Granite State Bigfoot case episode was one of the people that had a Bigfoot encounter had a rock thrown at his screen and then he looked out at the window at, again afterwards and above the pond right next to his house was... Bigger than a basketball-sized light. Like this flaming ball of light Mm -hmm. just floating there. He never saw a Bigfoot, but he did see this light and had one of the typical things when it comes to communication of having the rock thrown. So I don't know. It it was one of those things where we hear that in all of the UFO cases that we've talked about. We talked about those lights, the balls, those orbs that are floating around. And... This is one of those same kind of scenarios where he has come across something that was supposed to be a physical thing, but yet there's possibly a UFO encounter as well. And the other one, I believe it was the the legend that I watched as well. Uh, and they also talked about UFO connections to these cases as well. Like UFOs literally just coming and dropping like Bigfoot down. <laughs> So, I don't know. It's very interesting. Very, very interesting with the lights. It really is. And I do apologize. We need to have a sit-down episode and give folks a um, a really good overview of our thoughts just generally to catch folks up where we stand with everything in the paranormal space. Because uh, if someone's coming into this and they're unfamiliar with the idea of Bigfoot wearing potentially different masks, I mean, we tease that towards the front. But this idea tracks back, uh, I think it's Passport to Magonia, that Jacques Vallée has that talks about, I think that's one of the first big introductions that this entity, this trickster spirit that's out there potentially, is wearing all these different masks to communicate with humanity, harass humanity, awaken (laughs) humanity, something in between. Communication seems to be the part that we don't get yet. Like, that's just... mm, we're trying. People are trying. Various folks. We could argue that over the years, occultism, such as like witchcraft and the sort, um, connecting with gods and deities is a form of opening connection and communication, potentially with this spirit, potentially with others. We don't really know where the lines are drawn. Um, we have more recent attempts of folks trying to do this. We got science in on it in many ways. I mean, look what's going on with the current Skinwalker Ranch. Like we did our series with that. They're actually trying to communicate with things in the sky and um very interestingly pagan i ran across an article that was talking about how the soviets had a potentially worked 
on signaling and changing some of these lights in the sky based on hand motions that like, you know, think of someone out there like waving in an airplane on an airstrip. If you're out there Mm -hmm. with your arms, like if you see one of these weird balls in the sky that by doing various things, like I think I think it was like waving three times forward or three times backwards with their arms, they could get these lights to apparently change shape. (laughs) And it just just this idea of this phenomena, whatever forms it takes, whatever its limitations may be, it could be very different things interacting with us. Um, However, whatever it is. It's semi-open to communication, but in the Bigfoot case especially, it seems like it toys with us. It gets close, but never close enough. Always just out of reach and elusive. Yes, and it that's where one of those things is. They're not sure where the line between ultra-terrestrial and undiscovered species on our planet lies. They don't know exactly where that line is. It, it's very blurred. Because in a lot of ways, a lot of these interactions that people have with Bigfoot, it responds very animalistically, like something trying to defend its territory Mm -hmm. and uh, or it's curious about you. But at the same time, it's really difficult to find them, to interact with them or to get close enough to do anything with them. So like at one point in time in one of the episodes that we watched, it they mentioned something about this lady ran after the, this Bigfoot and a juvenile Bigfoot that she saw and trying to catch up with them to see if she could just get close. And as soon as she got up into the woods, they were gone. And this was in maybe less than a minute. And she said they were just gone up the mountain. Couldn't be seen. Like they had disappeared. And she came back and she told her husband, she said, this is impossible. We can't actually physically get close to them because they're too fast, like super human or super animal too fast. We just can't do it. And so to me, that was a really interesting thing because they also talked about Bigfoot being able to open portals or being able to go invisible. So this is some of the other interesting lore associated with it as well, which is pretty wild to think about where, again, it's when that line of, a different entity from somewhere else and physical species of an ape kind of coexist, but don't coexist. There's a line between them and that line is very blurred and very elusive. As well said, because we have so few examples of meaningful encounters. No, that's the wrong way to put it. We have a bunch of meaningful encounters out there to the people that were at the scene. Very meaningful, in fact, that have changed their lives. And again, those are people we consider our friends. Um, The problem that they highlight, and I want to say it was in the search, so on the Trail of Bigfoot, the search, was that the community of humans at large tends not to take this topic seriously. One thing that scared me uh, was that there is a group out there trying to shoot and kill a Bigfoot. And their reasoning is that science won't accept that a Bigfoot exists until a body is brought in. And that there will be no preservation of their lands and all that sort of stuff until a body is brought in. Because, you know, again, people just refuse to believe it. And this group 
argues that photos aren't good enough and videos are not good enough because people always argue to debunk it. And so in many senses, I do feel where they're coming from. But in my heart, I can't like endorse in any way harming, killing or physically, you know, endangering any kind of endangered creature of any kind. And it left me feeling a really weird way because their point, again, has merit, has value. Videos and photos, they're just too easy to fake these days. Anyone can Photoshop. Anyone can get, you know, a blurry phone, you know, capture of their friend in a suit. And people put it under tons of analysis. And regardless of, like, no, indifferent of whatever that feedback is, whether they prove the video is true or fake, it's usually always found to be inconclusive. And we've heard so much of it that just there's a general distrust by people. We expect anything with the word UFO or alien, Bigfoot, blah, blah, blah. We expect it to be snake oil. And there's a danger in that, I think, in like us just as a, you know, a humanity, <laughs> not having any trust in any of it, because it takes us to that line where the only way people will believe it is if we shoot and kill it. I don't like that. <laughs> I don't either. And I want to say that I saw an article, oh, maybe it was earlier this year or late last year. I don't remember. I feel like you and I have talked about this, but I know I'm pretty sure it was the state of Oklahoma that actually put out a thing where you could get a permit to go hunt Bigfoot. Yeah, they have a bounty that grew grew to more than 2 million here as of March 2021. Oh, that's disgusting. Yeah. Oh, that's so disgusting. Like, <sighs> I hate I don't this. Know. Like, I, I, I used to hunt and I used to do this, but, you know, now I'm a vegetarian. And I, I just don't, I understand the point of killing animals. And if you eat meat, that's totally cool. And that's totally fine. But. Bigfoot is not something that's just sport killing at that point. It's not even hunting for survival. Well, it's just gross. That's so gross. The men in the documentary did not sell me on the idea. And I don't want to be like mean and do shots fired sort of thing because I don't I don't I don't I'm just expressing my genuine view on it. I don't like that one of them was dressed up in tactical gear with some sort of rifle in his hand. And it was like a pistol in his vest sort of tactical gear vest and then i think it was another pistol on the leg and i'm like you say you're going to hunt bigfoot for science but you're clearly role-playing the gi joe you never fulfilled in your soul i don't know if this guy's like ex-military or not i don't know what his background is but like whatever's happening here this isn't science so much as this is role-playing and you're trying to kill something and i not only worry for the critter, like whatever this Bigfoot thing might be, but I also just worry that like there's a fine line between I'm hunting Bigfoot in the woods and shooting at it and, hey, I'm shooting at this direction and there's kids in a park nearby. Like, I just don't like any of it. I am not a fan of it. I do not endorse Bigfoot hunting with any kind of weaponry or trapping or anything that is like negatively like that. Like you want to capture them on footage. You want to try and get their foot like with the sticky tape stuff to get some of their hair. Cool beans. Mm -hmm. But leg traps, like anything that would physically endanger them, another animal or a human. I'm not 
big no, no. I just want to put that out there. Cause it's, yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. I'm, I'm totally okay with like, you take like a sidearm, like, you know, a handgun sure. with you. If you're protection. going deep in the woods, for protection, obviously there's bears and there's other animals, mountain lions and stuff like that, that will hunt you for food. And that's okay for you to defend yourself. But from everything that we have seen in all the approachability of Bigfoot and all of the lore that I've come across, I would 100% say that, yes, Bigfoot does try to defend their territory and they will throw giant branches. They will throw rocks. They will yell and scream and try to scare you. And even there has been lore about using infrasound even to scare you. Um, right. That is completely okay because they're defending where they live. That would be no different than you defending your home. So I think that if we're hunting Bigfoot, we should be respectful of where they live. You know, obviously don't go trash a campsite up there and leave a whole bunch of junk up there. There's no reason for that. Um, If you leave offerings, leave something that is going to be okay for nature and isn't going to hurt it in the process. Don't please don't pollute wherever you're going. Um. But yeah, I would say that Bigfoot is just trying to live their best life. I don't think that they're out to actually harm us. I don't think, because I think if they were out to harm us, they already would have. There's a lot of people that have gone out hunting for Bigfoot, and I genuinely believe that they have come across Bigfoot. And most of the time, Bigfoot Bigfoot will run in the opposite direction or try to scare them away, but will not actually harm them. Mm -hmm. So I would say that Bigfoot is no danger to humanity, we are more of a danger to Bigfoot than they are to us. That is so true. I agree. Like people going out there trekking through the wilderness, like you said, be very, very careful about that. You know, when it comes to offerings as well, something that I mean, I'm not a big offerings man previously. Like I haven't done that with any other I haven't really investigated to this point. Um and COVID's made that really hard. But something I will always keep in my mind going forward to leave offerings make sure it's something that does not hurt any of the local wildlife. You know what I mean? Like there's, there are definitely items at the grocery store you might think would be a cute offering, but could absolutely hurt any sort of, you know, deer, rabbits, whatever is coming by and eating whatever you're leaving behind. So try and be good. Try and, you know, choose something. Uh, There's some great vegetables. Carrots, for example, are, are usually a really good one. That's really safe. There's all kinds of stuff. Like do, do some good research on this. Um, but it's, it's always going to depend on your, environment like what's the habitat that's around there so again this continues to be us having conversations about ethical investigation but my goodness as the world like starts just starts to open up it is a conversation i'd like uh, more people to have just we need to take better care of our environment and our paranormal space where we hang out. I mean, it's becoming a bigger and bigger field. So it's all the more reason to remind folks, take care, be good to it. Uh, Because otherwise you might get the wrath of some of these creatures. Uh, We're getting kind of towards the end of this episode. There's a couple more things I want to go over. We kind of bridged the topic of communication here and there. um, But we also mentioned sounds. You mentioned that potentially could hear the sound of a woman screaming coyote yes. sounds are very similar as well like that's a that's one that people hear in concert with a uh, bigfoot actually that's people saying that bigfoot can mimic coyote sounds effectively um that's not me implying yes. that people are mistaking the two but people are saying that the bigfoot actually projects it knocks 
are really big. And that's something we see the new Kirks do quite often is knock back. Uh, I also saw mm-hmm. that in the, the, the documentary here, too. Tree knocking is super neat. I mean, so what people say, Bigfoot will often grab branches and then smash them up against a tree there as a way to either communicate with each other or, like you said, maybe to scare people off. Yes. And the interesting thing, too, is not only can, you know, kind of briefly going back to the coyote sounds Mm -hmm. and mimicking coyotes, um, there's also lore stating that they can mimic human sounds, like human voices and human yells. And so there was one incident Hmm. where a, a gentleman was out in the woods and he yelled because he saw something. And then he thought that he came across further down the way an actual Bigfoot, like right in the wood line. And he heard it yell, but it was his yell. It was the guy's voice, but he didn't make that sound. It, he had heard that Bigfoot. I'm presuming had heard him yell earlier at getting startled by something and then mimicked him. And it scared him enough to the point that he left. So, I mean, if that's Bigfoot's way of saying, get out of my you know living room, essentially, then by all means, maybe that's why they mimic. Um, and coyotes, if you've never heard a coyote, like a pack of coyotes, like howl and stuff, they're a little scary sounding. Yeah. So uh, especially if you're in the middle of nowhere and you start hearing coyotes, I've never come across a coyote that was vicious towards humans, mm-hmm. but I have heard other people that have. So if you do come across coyotes, be, be safe. Yeah. Be good to nature. Um, there's a, there's a famous vocalization to call out in relation. That would be the Sierra sounds. What was, I think, then dubbed and pretty racistly called the samurai sounds or like Japanese or something like that. Like, it, it sounds like uh, at the time, you know, how we have very stereotypical uh, Japanese movies with really bad vocalization in there. It's got this very interesting human sounding tone. It was recorded by Al Berry and Ron Moorhead in the mountains, the Sierra Nevada mountains uh, in Eastern California, collected them around the 1970s. Definitely check them out. They're on YouTube and such. Go listen to that. Cause apparently at the time of these recordings, they had found this really great spot up in the mountains. They had trekked up to it and they had, kind of built this little, like, fort protection-y thing for themselves. Uh, and they have all kinds of just interesting stories. I think some of these other ones where they were actually up in a uh, tree stand when they were recording the Sierra sounds in particular. But just the 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 vocalization between the multiple creatures or entities that were coming up to them mixed with some of the other noise in the background, like, it definitely can send chills down your spine listening to it. But I don't know. I, I'm, yeah, it's it's something. I, I, I guess I'll add on the topic of sending chills down your spine. There is the idea that Bigfoot permeates this kind of aura of fear as well. Uh, I, I don't know the legitimacy of that myself. I, again, it depends on what it is, because if we're talking, if we're going the whole way to say like it could be some sort of almost fey like energy blob that's wandering through the woods, sometimes taking form, wandering through reality, sometimes taking form. I mean, who knows? We've heard of fear auras like in Keel's case down in West Virginia around the Mothman. Um, I. 
does it all come from the same spot? Or is that just maybe how we as humans even react to those kind of portals? You know, is that is that fear or just us going like, whoa, that's weird. Like whatever's coming towards me is not of the same reality mm-hmm. that I am. So it, I have watched a, a show that's not associated with small town monsters. It was called Expedition Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. It's on uh, Discovery Plus. And in some of their expeditions that they've done trying to find Bigfoot and they're trying to find Bigfoot from a scientific perspective. Um, and they have stated that Bigfoot can communicate also through infrasound and they will do it by like pounding the ground with rocks and stuff or doing something like that to create some sort of sound wave or vibrational wave. And to the point that they can also do some sort of actual vocal sound that will send out infrasound as well. And it can make people have those fear-like feelings. It can make them physically nauseous, ill. And even to the point that one of their investigators, like on the first day of their investigation, uh, got very, very ill and actually could not investigate for the remainder of the investigation. Like had to go to the hospital. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, it it was a very wild thing. So there's so many different little aspects and little nuances that go with... um, the Bigfoot lore that when you start piecing them all together, you're just like, this is a very complex entity, whether it's a physical ape of, you know, earth and was born here and created here and all that good stuff, or it's an ultra terrestrial. It's very, very incredibly complex. And there's so many little things to it that you're just like, I don't even know where to start with you, dude. You're, you're just, wow. So for Bigfoot being amazingly just mind-blowingly awesome in so many ways but yet I'm also slightly kind of sad that it we don't know that much mm-hmm. we know a lot but we still don't know enough and I don't know if we'll ever get that answer either because Bigfoot's very elusive and Bigfoot just doesn't like to talk to people in person that's right there definitely <laughs> seems to be something happening and that's it's it's again why I, I, I episodes that we talk about something this large, I'm always unsure of how to present it because, again, how does one start the conversation about talking about Bigfoot? Also, you know, with the move coming up, I knew we weren't going to do like a 12 part series. And that's honestly kind of like what a, a Bigfoot has created for itself. Right. To talk about Bigfoot is to spend hours i mean if you want like i i I think it's absolutely fun but hours just talking about all of the different things that either overlap or contradict each other as to you know how that would work and how that wouldn't i mean again we touched on skinwalker ranch earlier but that's a very interesting one to start talking about more with the bigfoot concepts like we we spoke about cryptids that appeared on the ranch large ones too we've talked today Mm -hmm. about ufos potentially dropping off Bigfoot. We talked about how a portal could open and a critter could walk through it. It's all about how how wide open your mind is because on the opposite side of the spectrum or like the very physical side, there is room that this creature could actually just exist and be roaming as a very, very, very flesh and blood thing. I do Mm -hmm. think that as time goes on, that argument just becomes a little bit harder. I, I, I or. Not harder because I'm trying to prove anyone wrong. That's not me. But it's harder for my brain to sink into the camp that like, yeah, Bigfoot's flesh and blood. For me, because you and I are really out there on the ultra terrestrial wing, I'm like, 
I think it's probably some sort of energy form myself. I think it's possibly us looking into the infinite and giving it some kind of form that we're familiar with. And to me, I don't know, I, I like wide open mysteries. So to me, that gives me a lot of flexibility in forming the rest of it. I feel like a, I don't know where Bigfoot really lies. For me, Bigfoot lies in a lot of the different camps. Um, I do believe that, yes, technically Bigfoot could be a flesh and blood creature. But the more I learn about Bigfoot, I'm not 100% sold on that. Mm -hmm. I'm like maybe like 40% sold on that. And then the rest of me is like, yes, Bigfoot could be Faye. Totally. Completely and totally could buy that one. Uh, but I'm also kind of really leaning towards the fact that maybe Bigfoot actually was potentially alien that decided that they wanted to live here and just coexist with us. That in its own That's could kind explain of where my lot. brain is starting to kind of fall into, and I'm not 100% sure what to do with that yet. So, But I, I'm on board with it. I just don't know what to do with it yet. Uh, it, it just seems more and more likely that they're not of this world if they if, you know i could be totally wrong this is just kind of theories that my brain's just like this makes so much more sense that they're not of this world and i don't know i like it i like bigfoot i think he's cool um as long as he doesn't decide to move into my house that's all i ask we're he's given big i don't have all the doors you don't have that much so. <laughs> yeah that's all the doors you don't have that space for a big old stinky ape in there hanging out and right. throwing dung <laughs> everywhere i don't know that's not a bigfoot trait that i know of but is it i don't know uh well i, I, I think feel that there was like that didn't one... come from nowhere in my brain i heard that somewhere what was that i feel uh, like i've heard sorry. some random like you know uh, oh um uh, person who's experienced bigfoot uh experiencer i guess uh they I feel like somebody somewhere stated that Bigfoot like opened the door and walked into their house. Whoa! And, like, came in. I feel like I know this from somewhere. Now it could have just been one of those things that you like hearing like passing of just random paranormal shows of like yeah. different cases. I I don't even remember where it's from, but I feel like I know that from somewhere. But um, you know, I I watch a lot of paranormal TV. I do a lot of paranormal readings. It could have just been in passing somewhere that I've heard it. It's in the brain vault somewhere from somewhere. I just don't know exactly where. <laughs> That's such a mood. I, my brain vault is expanding so much, too. I, I kind of wanted to wrap it up by saying that I, I want to... About this time, a little over a year ago, I don't think I would have entertained the idea that Bigfoot was anything but flesh and blood. Not that, like, I would have, again, fought it tooth and nail, but... I don't think I was in that camp at all. I wasn't in any camp per se. I, you know, like we said at the top, I hadn't formed a strong opinion, but I don't think I would have been, I don't think I would have gone, oh yeah, of course, yeah, of course an alien. Of course it's, you know, some energy mist zipping through time and space like I am now. <laughs> I don't know if that just means I'm unmooring from reality or just starting, I think, as we're all doing with our seances and all that fun stuff, we're starting to put together a picture that it's easier to think outside of the box and tap into this stuff than anyone could, well, than anyone thinks at first glance. Like, it's actually proving to me to be surprisingly simple. You know, we talked about Hemisync a couple weeks back. I continue doing that. Um, I'm continuing to have really, really great progress with that whole experience. It's just like I'm meditating at levels that I really never thought I could do before and just thought that would be a whole lifetime of experience that I'd have to dedicate to do. 
and uh, with our virtual seances, like the fact that we got in contact with something that was communicating from your farm, a couple somethings. Mm-hmm. I just I, I went into it with doubt. Like I even went in there thinking it wasn't going to work, and it still worked. Same. I I was just, I was hopeful that it would work, but I was not getting my hopes so high that I would come out disappointed if it didn't. So it, yep. it was a really wonderful experience. Like honestly, like the past, uh, I think we're actually we're about two weeks away from like our official one year date of the show. Yeah, I, I think it's like a is yeah. That's about you're right. You're right. And so that's coming up from a whole year, I feel really confident that we have bridged into a whole new spectrum of analytical thinking when it comes to the paranormal in ways that we probably wouldn't have that was very i want to say closed-minded before and i feel like i I was very closed-minded before this and i feel like we've expanded our consciousness before this but now we are in such a really cool place to learn about so many awesome things like Kimmy saying, doing the seances and learning about Bigfoot, whether or not he is flesh and blood. <laughs> um, but I, I'm kind of like you. I think a year ago, I would have probably said, yeah, Bigfoot's flesh and blood. He's just a you know, creature that lives here that we haven't discovered. Um, now, I don't know. I don't know where Bigfoot sits. So, hmm, I don't know. I'm, I'm on board with whatever it is. I, I'm cool with it. But I think it's pretty cool just to explore the different options and topics that we've talked about and kind of just see how our minds grow and how the whole thought process and the, our minds expand with knowledge Mm -hmm, and right. To openness to knowledge. I I think that that is a great way to put it. So I agree to the next, next year. Here's to the next year of chaos and shadow. Uh, to everyone out there listening, we appreciate it a ton. Thank you for hanging out with us on this very relaxed fit episode. It's been fun to talk about Bigfoot and just all the weird strangeness that comes around it. We are going to kind of continue this Bigfooty sort of just fun summer cryptid trend as the house move transition comes around. Thank you a ton for understanding why our episodes have been very like kind of scattered the last couple months. We've had we've had ideas of where we wanted to go, but we've kind of moved it in ways because we've got so much in the works i mean we're moving from just being like oh we want to cover you know topics of cryptids and ghosts on a state-by-state basis to now like you were touching on there pagan is like now we're doing virtual seances we're participating in things like house kepru like we're going to be interviewing michelle bell and jay live on july 31st uh, make sure you get tickets mm-hmm. to that and uh, org. um tons of information about that out there we can get you some if you need it let us know but uh like we're getting involved in all this stuff in a way that a year ago we were just rolling up on the scene like hi we know about the occult but like we don't know to this degree and we've just put so many facts in place and like we said earlier in our own brains and other people and the listeners who've appreciated us just putting these constructs together because when you look at the paranormal Uh, From an outside view, there's a lot of fake stuff with a Hollywood angle. There's a lot of confusing stuff that's just hard to get a hold of or expensive. And um, it just most of all be really, really tricky to know where the roadmap is. So that roadmap is, I'd argue, like my biggest thank you to people like Michelle, to Katie Webb, um, to, to the New Kirks, to everyone that's put together this roadmap and kind of shown us and introduced us to other great people. 
It just means a lot to us. Today, Pagan, you got your very first shipment from Llewellyn, sending some um, amazing promo books to take a look at, including Laura Tempest Zakroff's new book. Freaking exciting. Yes, I, I have her brand new book, Anatomy of the Witch. Um, if, you know, we talked about this. We talked about it with her. But I will tell you guys one thing. It is even more beautiful in person. Is it? It, the cover is just gorgeous. You know, her artwork is always stunning to look at, but wow, there's just so much with it. Like I'm somebody uh, who paints and I, you know, I, I have a lot of formal art training and just looking at her art, I'm just like, there's so much to break down on this. Just, whoa. And it's just absolutely a gorgeous book. So I'm so looking forward to digging into it. And just briefly, kind of as we're sitting here, you know, talking, I'm kind of just flipping through the pages. And there's a lot of really beautiful artwork, as always, within it that she does herself. Um, so go buy a copy, guys. Please support, support our friends. Support Laura. We are friends with Laura. We love Laura. And go buy her book today, right now. Do it. Do it, folks. Um, we're going to have some posts going up on Twitter and probably Instagram with the other books that they've sent us as well. The selection is just crazy. We will we will tease those out over time, but it's some great ones in there. My box is still in transit, so I think I actually will have different titles for the most part than Peg. And I know I grabbed Laura's book, but I want to say I grabbed uh, different ones, including one of Llewellyn's own. I grabbed like an herb of the day calendar sort of thing. This is not sponsored, by the way. They they sent these for like promo review, but they're not paying us. So this is not a sponsored piece. Um, but they, they're sending like an herb of the day sort of deal, which I'm really excited about. I chose it off the list because I'm like, I need to know that. I want to know. So look forward to some <laughs> reviews coming from us up on the blog. This is more of a promo for ourselves, actually, to say, really go up on the blog, go look for those. We're going to have reviews, put it up on Twitter. The Gilded server is where you need to be. Gilded.gg forward slash RPN, like Revelator Podcast Network. Up there, Pagan's got her Witchy Corner podcast. I've got the Valheim mm-hmm. show. We've got uh, Chaos and Shadows, the Lars Emergency Broadcast. We've got a Seven Days to Die podcast now. And our Path the Partner podcast got resurrected for streamers out there. Uh, all of that's going on. we got our virtual seance that's happening on that server on a continuing basis. Tons of room up there for our, our members of the website. So if you're interested in that, you can help this show in a gigantic way. Going to revelatornetwork.com forward slash subscribe. We have a ton of people jumping on at the $20 level. So clearly that is the hot commodity. We have people, a couple people in the insider $50 level. That is uh, still time to get your name listed up there as a founder. The role is still called founder. It will be going to insider after our year mark that Pagan mentioned. You have a little bit more time to go up there and grab that. We'll let you know when the final draw is. Uh, but go grab a sub. It would be amazing. It helps us a ton. It will allow us to get into cooler, more interesting stuff. I've just bought more gear to share with you guys the other day. So desperately need the funding because the parasite world is like got me hard. I'm like, I'm just chasing it down and like buying all this stuff. <laughs> it's got me by the heartstrings. So that's the thing. Support that. Come by. Check it out. We love you all. Thank you for leaving the reviews, and we'll let you go this week. Stay safe out there, everybody. Look for more Chaos and Shadow shows coming very, very soon. More seances, more rituals, all. Check it out. RevelatorNetwork.com. Bye. Bye, guys. Revelator Podcast Network listeners, we're calling on you. We could use your help. We're courting our very first sponsor for the network. We're working with Manscaped over on Kyle's Valheim Bulletin. If you haven't subscribed to that show, make sure you do. It's a wonderful video game. I I could talk about it forever. 
What I'm here to tell you about is that you can get 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using the code KVB, like Kyle's Valheim Bulletin, right? So KVB. Do that. Get yourself one of their new products. They just sent me the Lawnmower 4.0 that just came out here in May, and it's really, really nice. So check it out. If you got a guy in your life that you want to buy these for or anyone that you want to send these to, they got a whole range of products up there going on now. Use code KVB. You're literally helping the network and this show grow by doing that. Get 20% off, free shipping, KVB, like Kyle's Valheim Bulletin. Thank you so much.